And we're back for the we second are. week of the Movie Malarkey Podcast. They said it couldn't be done. <laughs> what, uh, unnaming a podcast or coming back for a second week in a row? Coming back for a second week. Well, it's not technically in a row, but... No, it's like <laughs> three or four weeks later, but uh, <laughs> we're here nonetheless. Yeah. We have the, uh, the job of providing the internet with uh, completely unasked for and um, unnecessary opinions on movies. I mean... That's most of the opinions on the internet, though. Yes, that is completely true. <laughs> All right. Um, so, at some point, we should uh, talk about a name for this podcast and also discuss music for it. Yeah, yeah. No, I figure what we'll do um, is we'll come back, like, a month later and we'll just add in the name in post right about here. The Movie Malarkey Popcast. <laughs> we'll use that... Uh, a very electronic, uh, fake voice that uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people add in that I just, for some reason, find endlessly humorous. Oh, it's so funny. Yes, our podcast, which is most cleverly named... The Movie Malarkey Popcast. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this week we are talking about uh, one of our oldest favorites, I would say. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, number one I- of probably 23 by the time you're listening to this. I'm uncomfortable with how old this movie is. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it was filmed right on the heels of like the two towers, I think, mm-hmm, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Uh cuz Will, I think, went pretty much right from the set of Lord of the Rings <laughs> to Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. Um I remember Peter Jackson actually saying that when it came time to Oh no, it would have been Return of the King because he was saying when it came time to do the skeletons in the uh the Paths of the Dead, they wanted to be careful to make sure that they didn't make them look too much like the Pirates of the Caribbean skeletons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, uh... Because then bloom. he would have gotten confused. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, thankfully, they uh, made them look plenty different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Pirates of the Caribbean... And now, remember, we're, we're our family is pretty far behind the times as far as technology goes, but this was the first movie that we ever watched on DVD. Really? Yep. I, we got a I don't tiny, remember what the first movie I was that I watched on DVD. <laughs> but it was a pretty big deal to us, that's why I remember. Yeah. I remember we couldn't figure out how to operate all the menus. There was, mm-hmm. you know, the enter button and the arrows, and we didn't just have play and stop and rewind. Uh, um, we had just a, a tiny little DVD player that I think we got from Menards on sale or something like that, and my dad picked it up from the library. So yeah, it's a pretty old film from the early 2000s. Um, <laughs> I love this film right from the beginning. It was actually the one that really kind of inspired me to get into filmmaking. The really? little bit of hobby filmmaking that I do. Um, since it was a DVD, it had extra features. It actually had a second oh, disc. Oh, I suppose, yeah, uh, yeah. All the behind the scenes, and I got to see how some of that stuff's actually done, and how the cameras are operated, and uh, how the stunts are done, and man, I, I just I loved the behind the scenes. That's interesting, yeah, I suppose. I don't remember, what was the first movie I watched behind the scenes for? It was probably, like, Jonah. And, like, the humorous behind the scenes stuff that they've got in that movie. Uh, Jonah, a VeggieTales movie, yes, Jonah? Yes, the VeggieTales movie. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> they, at the end they did have some uh, outtakes, which I just could not understand as a kid. Like, how are there outtakes in an animated movie, which of course is the joke, but... Uh, <laughs> It was endlessly frustrating to me. Like, how how did these animations mess up? That doesn't. Cody, make any are you sense. telling me that the vegetables aren't real? <laughs> Maybe that's a conversation we'll have to have another day. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, you're I think ready so. for it when I'm when I'm old enough. <laughs> yes. 
Ask your mom about the vegetables. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so this film, it's hard to have um, fresh opinions on it. Uh, it's been mm-hmm. around for so long mm-hmm. and it's so mm-hmm. well-loved, and I don't remember like my initial thoughts of it. I just remember it was just a fun action-adventure movie. Yeah. Um, but I recently went through and made a bunch of notes. Um, the, let's see, Port Royal... Is mm-hmm. that the name of the town? Mm-hmm. Um, they had the uh, the fort built in two separate locations, and I remember them talking behind the scenes about having to go in and make sure that uh, the two buildings were aligned with the sun correctly. Mm. I think they did maybe exteriors at one location, and then they had interiors at another location. That makes sense. They actually went down like into the Caribbean to film a lot of this stuff. Huh. Um, it was uh, kind of crazy. They actually built... Uh, I think one or two ships for it, and they used a third uh, actual ship that they just kind of re-outfitted for the movie. And uh, I think this club that had this old ship that they would sail around occasionally actually had to sail it from, like, California down to wherever they were filming, and it was, like, a couple-week journey. Wow. That would have been fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently they actually broke a mast on the way and had to <laughs> stop and get that repaired, so... <laughs> oh, they got that, that on film. <laughs> Yeah, that would, uh, that would have been uh, quite an adventure. Um, this is all stuff that they talked about in the behind the scenes. Mm. So, I guess this is the part where you say something, too. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, well, I was going to talk about how the thing that, that stuck out to me on this viewing, because it's not the first one by any means, was like, because uh, first I had, to, I had to check online how old this movie actually was, and then I stopped thinking mm. about that because it made me feel old but um the fact that like the the special effects and the just the general look of this movie holds up so well because like okay the day before unrelated to this movie i wa- i finally watched uh wonder woman 1984 i wasn't impressed mm. with the special effects at all i thought that they were not great the rest of the movie we could talk about not at, at a later date but and then and I watched this today. Of stuff we need to talk about. I watched this today, and the special effects are so much better. <laughs> yes, I was actually thinking about that earlier <laughs> today, and uh, I'm sure you have your own opinions as to why, probably the same as mine. But I think that a lot of it is because they did so many practical. Yeah, things. well, I mean, and then I didn't watch the, spe- the special features, but yeah, they had like actual ships in in real <laughs> actual water. And it it just pays, it pays off so well to, to do this stuff like that, you know, the hard way that, and it Mm -hmm. just makes it look so good. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, just looked up the date and so it was released in 2003. Mm -hmm. So as we're speaking, that's almost 18 years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. This, uh, this, this film is almost an adult. (laughs) Um, I think the film cannot yet drink rum. Sorry, what was that? This is the the pirates movie is not yet old enough to drink rum. <laughs> no, but it, it it has plenty on board. Um, <laughs> the thing I was thinking about is uh, obviously the skeletons are a huge CGI thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I can't think of a whole lot other than maybe just adjusting color and things like that that yeah, would I mean CGI. So I think that they played to the strengths of cgi at the time yeah and only did things that aren't n- found in the natural world so like 
rotten skeletons. <laughs> Nobody's ever actually seen a rotten skeleton walking around, so you couldn't say that the animation looks fake. Right, I right. Think they did a pretty amazing job with with what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing just is so convincing. Oh, sorry, I didn't catch that. Oh no, I was just gonna say the whole movie is just so convincing while you're watching. It's like, oh yeah, it doesn't take it's, you out of it. Yeah, and it's such a good story too that you just get sucked right in, and you're not looking for those uh, yeah. behind the scenes type of things, which I quite often do. Mm-hmm. Um, in the behind the scenes, they talked about how they had their skeleton models in the computer, and then they actually overlaid photos of turkey jerky to give it that <laughs> rotten flesh look. <laughs> Uh, movie making is great. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I think a lot of this is going to be talking about just the behind the scenes stuff because I don't know that there's really much to say about the story that hasn't already been said. Uh, yeah, I, I guess mean, one question I wanted to pose to you is, you know, every movie your story, your characters have to have some kind of character arc, and they started out, they ended a different place than where they started, but. Does Jack really have any character arc? I think he's pretty much the same person through the entire movie. And is the movie about Jack or is it about Will? You know, that's a that is a good question because I think that in this first movie, like not talking about the se- the the rest of the series because that's that's a discussion for later, but like I don't think Jack really is the main character if by main character you mean someone who has to have like an emotional growth arc or Mm -hmm. journey because jack kind of stays the same through the Mm -hmm. like we learn more about him but i don't think that the character of jack sparrow actually changes just our our perception of him perhaps Mm -hmm. Uh, they actually mentioned that in the behind the scenes is that jack just has very simple desires his movie he really just wants to get himself a ship that's really it's, it's true or he wants to get his ship back yeah he, he tells um, the guards at the the beginning of the movie that he he just he just wants a ship <laughs> i told you he was telling the truth <laughs> <laughs> yes those those two you got pentel and rigetti mm-hmm. on the pirate side mm-hmm. uh comic duo and then you got the uh the british two uh two i'm sure they have names, names but i i don't know <laughs> anyway, those two guys were just great. I loved, <laughs> I loved their acting. Somebody has to make sure the uh, dog stays off limits to civilians. <laughs> um, but back to the story arc thing, I think mm-hmm. that Will and Elizabeth are the ones that have a lot of character growth yeah. throughout the uh, throughout the series. Speaking of um, Elizabeth, played by Kira Knightley, did you know she was only seventeen when they shot the film? Really. I would have guessed she was in her mid-twenties. I also find it kind of odd that they would have shot with a minor just because of all the legal hurdles that they have to jump through. Although, I don't know, if, since a lot of this wasn't filmed in the U.S., I don't know if they're stuck to those, but I know <laughs> filming with minors, you uh, have only, you know, you can only uh-huh. film between these hours of the day. You can yeah. only shoot for, you know, so many hours during a day. And uh, There's I a lot of rules. There's a lot, there's a lot of rules as far as having, like, tutors on scene and available to make sure they get their schooling done mm-hmm. and some sort of advocate to make sure that they're not pushing the kids too hard things like that so it's kind of crazy that they uh they would have picked her but i think she was a perfect fit for the spot i guess i mean maybe if you're out you know on a pirate ship then it's just the pirate's code that applies you don't have to worry about <laughs> <laughs> yes they the pirates never worried about that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um did you know bob anderson was the sword master for this film 
he goes back to the days of Errol Flynn, if you know who that is. Oh, okay. Um, I, I thought I recognized he, the name. He did um, Robin Hood, one of the original Robin Hood. Ah, films. yeah, yeah. And I think was actually a stunt double for Errol, Errol Flynn. Well, the and the sword work is gorgeous in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's outstanding. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he did that. He did it for The Princess Bride, um, and I believe, and um, also Lord of the Rings. Hmm. So, and this guy's like a thousand years old. And he's, still, <laughs> he's still sword fighting. Um, the Grim Reaper keeps showing up and losing sword fights to him. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that was one of his uh, first tasks, is learning to fight... Uh, Sword versus sickle. <laughs> um, another thing I have on my notes, I, I think this episode's kind of going to be all over the place because I just took notes as I was going through, or as I watched the movie. That's typically um, my strategy. <laughs> Jack's pistol. So mm. a lot of the the pistols and stuff were sourced from a prop house, mm-hmm. but Jack's pistol was actually made in uh, 1760. It's a a real antique pistol that they got just for the film. And uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but the the name of whoever made them was actually known and and where where it came from. Huh. Wait, no, that's too bright. That's too bright. There we go. Um, Next on my list, um, most of the movie is just... You know, it's partially fantasy, so of course you can use your suspension of disbelief and, you know, some <laughs> of this stuff, it doesn't... It, obviously, there are, there are skeleton pirates running around, so you can't be too harsh on these things, but uh, two things that have always stood out to me as being uh, problematic is there's the scene where they're sword fighting in Will's blacksmith shop, which actually is Mr. Brown's blacksmith mm-hmm, shop, mm-hmm. I think, um, which I always thought was kind of odd. He's like an apprentice or something like that, but uh-huh. he's this master sword maker. Well, I mean, yeah, the the movie goes out of its way to point out that the the master blacksmith is in fact just a lazy drunk who doesn't seem to do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I never quite got what the point of that was, other than for the little joke where he ends up knocking Jack out and they catch him. I think um, it's just to make us f- feel more sympathetic towards Will. I don't I don't know that there's really not supposed mm-hmm. to be much there. Okay. There's the scene, though, where they're fighting in the uh, blacksmith shop, and uh, they get up on this little cart, mm-hmm. two-wheeled cart, and they're kind of balancing. And then there's, like, a a bag of something that gets cut from the ceiling and drops down and launches one of them up into the rafters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that always bothered me just because of the... Uh, <laughs> there's no way that little bit of weight would have launched him that high. It must have been full um, of anvils or something. Yeah, right. Um, the other thing that always bothered me is when they're sneaking, and I thought this was a super clever clever thing to do, but it wouldn't work. Mm. Um, they had, when they're sneaking out to the ship, mm. they have their that boat, the little <laughs> rowboat upside down, and they're uh-huh. walking on the bottom. Uh, first of all, they have, they have no weights or anything on them to sink them to the bottom. Nope. So they would have floated by themselves, plus they're holding this pocket of air underneath the boat. Yeah, yeah. Always, always That's, bothered uh, me. There's no way that they would have been able to stay down low. But I always thought it was pretty, pretty clever uh, trick. Always wanted to try it when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I almost wonder if there's some sort of missing bit where it shows them like weighting down their shoes or something. Because, because mm. that the physics of that just don't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. You don't see any weights or anything on them, so. No. Um, another note. So on our opening scene, you get the where Elizabeth is like nine or ten years old, and she sees the pirate ship for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, the age thing always <laughs> bothers me because I, I have had this is, discussion before. <laughs> yep. Have we? <laughs> no, I don't know <laughs> if we cl- have, but yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you have. Uh-huh. Okay. Norrington is clearly in his twenties. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> And she's like nine or ten. She's just a child on the ship, and uh-huh. later he's uh-huh. proposing to her. Which I suppose by the time she was twenty, he would have been. Well, let's see. He would have been about ten years old or so, thirty. So it's, it's not a terribly awkward age difference. But he doesn't look like he's that much older than her. Later on, they look like they're the same age. Yeah, it's it's a it's little strange. S- same problem I have with the whole Anakin and Padme thing in uh, the prequel Star Wars. Films, yeah. Where he's like yeah. nine and she's in her 20s. Yeah, that one's worse for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's just because Anakin's a terrible actor. That could be. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, uh, that's a conversation for another day, though, I think. Um, uh. So here's another question I have. Mm. Mr. Gibbs is clearly on the British side yes. in the opening scenes. He's clearly against pirates, very superstitious and all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. But then later on in the film, we cut to him, and he's down on his luck and is a pirate. Yeah. So what happened to him between the opening of the film and partway through when they catch up with him again? Well, he clearly joined up with Jack Sparrow at some point, because we find out later that Mr. Gibbs knows all of this stuff about like Jack Sparrow's mm-hmm. backstory. So mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe we'll get a spin off is... movie later. Just Gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Um Yeah, and and he was so superstitious about pirates and he was scared of them and then they saw the Black Pearl. And then he meets up with Jack who's trying to find the Black Pearl again. So I never mm-hmm. quite understood his turnaround. Uh what happened to him there? I don't know. Um Fun fact, mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes they talked about this, so he's sleeping with those pigs in the uh, in the scene where they wake him up. Yeah. They uh, were talking about how the uh, it was they had a hard time trying to get those pigs to cooperate, and they actually had to wait for them to fall asleep, and then the actor that played Mr. Gibbs would actually sneak in and lay down with them, <laughs> and then they'd splash him with the water, and they had to try to get all that in one take because the pigs would be <laughs> waking back up again and... <gasps> running around set so oh the, the glamorous life of an actor yes <laughs> and they always <laughs> say don't work with animals or children or d- certainly not pigs apparently yes Oof, the. I, um, I hadn't even thought about know. that like that's that shot must have been <laughs> a nightmare <laughs> mm. uh have you ever seen um boy it's uh one of the early jim henson films i can't remember what it's called now oh the labyrinth mm-hmm uh, I don't know if I've seen they, it all the way through. They have, it's a, it's a good watch, uh, but it's they've got a lot of animals, and they talked about this one scene that they just had to film over and over because they needed like a chicken or a bird of some kind to walk across the scene in the back in the background. So they pretty much just set this chicken loose and <laughs> hoped it went the right direction over and over <laughs> again until it finally walked the right direction. Oh yes. my goodness. At that point, like, how can it be so crucial to the story that you need a chicken to walk a specific mm. direction? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, Jack's entrance into the film, oh. I think, is one of the... Poetry. Most... 
<laughs> it, oh, it's so beautiful. It's just such a great entrance. Um, just the the way it, he is revealed is in such a epic fashion. Him standing up on the crow's nest, mm-hmm. uh, wind blowing in his hair, and then you see he's just in this <laughs> little dinghy that is slowly sinking. It, it summarizes Jack Sparrow's character without having mm. to say a single line. <laughs> it's so good. And then the part where he takes off his hat to those pirates that are hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that uh, he is sympathetic to the pirates. They just, they introduce that character so well. You know, they, they now, do that for for a lot of the characters in this movie. There's a lot of, like, very good, deep character building without having this awkward dialogue of, like, establishing backstory hmm. and whatnot. Like, I don't, it, it stuck out to me while I was watching today. You know, there's a lot of... We learn a lot about the sort of core characters going forward in this series just through how they're introduced and how they interact. That is very true. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, like Elizabeth, you see her in the opening scenes. Everything gets set up. She gets mm-hmm. the pirate medallion. Um, one other thing that does bother me there, though, she has this pirate medallion hidden in this secret false bottom in a drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's covered with dust which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You can see the mark where it's been sitting for years, but it's in this secret compartment that hasn't been opened for years. How is there any dust in it? Anyway, <laughs> just a great introduction to how <laughs> she came into possession of this thing. Mm-hmm. And then Will's introduction, too. You know, he's at the house to deliver a sword for Commodore Norrington's... Uh, he's breaking light fixtures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was hilarious. It was actually an extended scene that I thought was uh, funnier, but uh, oh, yeah? that was in the behind the scenes. Ah. But yeah, I uh, I think they introduced his character so well, and then the relationship between him and Elizabeth as well that uh, ends up developing later on. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a question while watching this that I've never quite come up with a satisfactory answer to. We find out quite obviously later on that the pirates on aboard the Black Pearl are cursed with this curse of undeath where they they cannot die and they look like skeletons in the moonlight and all of that. But why don't they look like skeletons when they're attacking Port Royal in the beginning of the movie? And why do they die when, like, Will throws a hatchet at the back of one of them? Um, yeah, so, I think, well, the, the moonlight <laughs> is what shows them as skeletons yeah. on an overcast day, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I kind of um, get that. I don't think they necessarily die. I think that they are just knocked out of the fight for a bit. Because um, you see instances where they get injured or whatever, or there's, like, that yeah. scene on the ship where the one's head gets, you know, knocked out of. Mm-hmm. place uh, when mm-hmm. they're spinning the ship's wheel and he just pops back into place so i don't think they actually die but i think maybe getting all the bones back together might be uh yeah problematic for them like s- most of them they you know get hit off screen or something and you don't really see them die but the one that the one that will throws an axe at i, I is the one that really bothers me because it's just like yeah, this th- little axe sticks into him and he just like dies on on the road mm. And I'm <laughs> yeah, it is true. Yeah. Like, what are you yeah, doing? It, it is strongly implied that he dies. <laughs> but I mean, whatever. Yep. <laughs> yes, uh, there are there are some uh, some things that I wonder about that as well. Um, 
I wanted to talk to you about the cave set mm. that they have for La Isla de Morta. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a set, a water set that they built. Most of the rocks are styrofoam. <laughs> um, there's some great behind-the-scenes footage of them cutting away at the foam, and that one's <laughs> one of the things I just thought was the coolest thing ever when I saw that they were building this entire cave out of foam, and it just looked like real rock. It looks really um, cool. Mm-hmm. It's a, such a well-built set. It looks so cool, but then also they actually had water on that set. It was a, a water tank that mm-hmm. they built into it uh, for quite a few scenes that happened in the water. Yeah. And uh, the one guy said that he was so proud because the thing never never leaked. Oh, really? But I, I just, I don't know, I, I'm i always drawn to water, and I, I just think it's so cool that they had actual water on set. Yeah, well, I mean, any time that it's done well, it's so good, because water's so hard to reproduce, like, sort of in, in editing or animating or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So if you can get the real thing, it ends up looking so good. <laughs> mm. um, so one thing that I noticed is normally characters are done up so that you can't see any of the makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jack Sparrow very clearly has this dark <laughs> eyeliner around his eyes uh-huh. through all the films. Uh-huh. I'm just curious if there is some practical reason that he might have done that, or <sighs> is it just one of those things that gives him a look and they just gloss over it and everybody just accepts it i don't know sometimes i wonder if it's just because johnny depp kept showing up to set in black eye makeup and they're like you know what whatever (laughs) i i wondered almost if it was similar to how football players put that that dark patch under their eye which i think is supposed to help with glare from the sun i mean i guess you could i'll bet you could you could look around on the internet and i'll bet you could find a reason for it but if I were to guess, I, re- I recall a bit, I think, from the special features on the third movie, to- where Johnny Depp is talking about sort of his inspiration for the character. And mm. they're talking about how they wanted to approach these movies from the perspective of, like, they wanted to romanticize these these pirate captains as sort of being, like, the rock stars of the era. And so I, mm. think, he, I think he's just wearing the makeup because he thinks it makes him look like a rock star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's so true. He there was a specific person that he modeled his character after, but I can't think of his name now. Just a well-known mm. rock star. Yeah, he shows um, up in the third movie as Jack Sparrow's dad. Oh, that's right. Yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, um, you know, well after the series had fully jumped the shark. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I think they did that in the second movie, but that's yeah. a conversation for another time. <laughs> If if there was going to be a literal shark jumping, though, I think that parts of the Caribbean would have been a good place to do it. So well, there's I think a, they really missed out there. There's undead sharks later that they kind of jump over. So do they? I yeah, in 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 Dead Men Tell No Tales. Hmm, I have to pay more attention to that. Oh yeah, there's literal shark jumping. It's. I think <laughs> that uh, Johnny Depp though was like the best pick that you could have possibly had for this character. There, there are some castings where after after you've seen it, you just can't imagine anyone else playing that character, and and I think that Jack Sparrow is definitely one of them. It's amazing too if you see any of his other work how completely different his characters are mm-hmm. in every movie he does i think i've only seen him in maybe two or three movies but yeah you know you've got some good solid actors like tom hanks 
but as you pointed out to me and just completely ruined for me, he pretty much does play the same character in every movie. <laughs> is that was that Tom Hanks that we were talking about? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. One of my favorite actors. I thought we were talking about Tom Cruise. Well, he did come up, but he plays <laughs> the same character in every movie. But his characters are not super interesting, whereas Tom Can- Tom Hanks's characters are super interesting. Uh, yeah. But they're pretty much the same character in every movie. <laughs> Johnny Depp is just completely different, no matter what he does. I think he's uh, he's the kind of guy that could pretty much literally play anybody. I, he certainly got the visual uh, distinctiveness in a lot of his roles. Like mm. he's got all these wacky costumes and yes, and he doesn't like just looking at his face. You wouldn't know it's the same actor. No, or at least I wouldn't. Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, or his voice, and he changes his mannerisms so much. Um, one thing that stood out to me at the end of the film, mm-hmm. um, right after Will's epic rescue, uh, which <laughs> I think you had pointed out that Elizabeth caught on to the the scheme and had uh, feigned passing out. Yeah. But then... She came to almost as if she had actually passed out. But then her dad gave her this look like, oh, no, you're in on this thing. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was pretty cool. I, I never <laughs> caught that before. Um, just one of those little The, the little first of many times that, that Elizabeth attempts passing out to distract people. Yes. It gets progressively yes, less that. effective throughout the series, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I love the part in number two where she passes out during the sword fight <laughs> and, high and none of them have paid any attention to her. She's very um, offended. <laughs> tune in later for our uh, part two and three and then four and five reviews. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, during after right after Will's epic rescue... Um, there's the line from Norrington, I believe, which is, uh, he's speaking to Will. He says, you forget your place. And Will says, it's right here between you and Jack. Mm-hmm. And it just struck me how rarely we have the presence of mind to deliver <laughs> such appropriate and epic responses as that. Oh, uh, yeah. So much more, a much more, uh, realistic interpretation of that would be Will coming up with that line about two days later and just <laughs> mm-hmm. while he's laying in bed, like, oh, I should have said this. <laughs> Uh, but that's why we watch movies, you know, so that we can yes. <laughs> live that dream. <laughs> I've also thought about, you know, movie dialogue. People rarely say the wrong thing or stumble over their words like they do in real life. But mm-hmm. I think if you tried to make a movie more realistic like that, I think it would just ruin the film. I yeah, don't think it, it would just, it's not be, as much fun to watch. Yeah, I don't think it would actually be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to another topic that... Uh, I think it needs to be addressed. Um, oftentimes in movies, the love story is just there to grab a particular part of the audience, and it's very poorly done. Um, I don't particularly care for love stories myself. However, I think this one was done very well. It uh, doesn't with, uh, distract Marvelous. too much from the movie. Like, it, it, yes. it's not there for the sake of being there. Like, it actually fits the, mm-hmm. the, the story, which I think is really kind of what mm-hmm. di- what distinguishes between awkward just there because Hollywood said you needed a love story and then like you know something that actually serves the plot mm-hmm. yeah I just think it was well done um, a lot of times characters will meet and then 
you know, they've known each other for like a day and then they have their kiss. And I just wanted to say that I think Will and Elizabeth's kiss was actually earned. Um, yeah. It was actually a good part of the story. Well, and it's crucial that we have that sort of pre-existing relationship between the two of them that we see in mm. their introductory scenes. And so yes. the events of the movie are just sort of the culmination of that instead of having to start from ground zero. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also like that little hidden bit of she took the medallion from him because she was afraid he was a pirate. Right. And he he thought that he had lost it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious what would have happened if he had kept it. Which leads me to a different question is what would have happened if Elizabeth had not introduced herself as Elizabeth Turner? Uh, and what if yeah. she hadn't called for a parlay when... Pentown Rigetti found her in the closet. Well, I think um, probably they just would have taken the coin and then still been stuck on where to find replacement yeah. blood. Yeah, and surely there were more families than just that one with the last name Turner? So uh, Probably. I suppose they knew that Will was last in possession of it, or A. Turner was last in possession, because I guess it was mm-hmm. sent to Will. It was mailed to him. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for a Turner in connection with it, but I don't know, they didn't ask her her name until she got on the ship, so Pintel and Rigetti had no idea That's who true. she was. Yeah. Well, they mentioned so later what, that Pintel and Rigetti noticed that she was, quote, the proper age, so they may have thought, like, hey, she's got the coin we're looking for, maybe she's the right one. <laughs> yeah, so they did, They the one guy said, you brought us the wrong person, and they're like, she's the proper age. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she, like, she introduced herself as a maid in the governor's household. Like, yeah. there's, I don't know, how do you know she's the right one? I think they only took her to the ship because she called for a parlay. Which, yeah, like you said, if she hadn't called for parlay, they would have probably just taken the medallion and left her, and then yeah. <laughs> they'd still been up, up the creek without a paddle. Um, yeah, well, it is, it's really interesting how we see those events all fall into place. I mean, just like what only happened in a movie where you have Elizabeth thinking, oh, well, they're here to kidnap me because I'm the daughter of the governor, so I will use a mm-hmm. fake name. And the first one that comes to mind is, of course, Will's last name, because she's deeply in love. Mm-hmm. And then it turns mm-hmm. out that that, in fact, is exactly the worst thing that she could have said, because now they're like, yes. ah, yes, Turner, that's who we're looking for, and you have this medallion that you don't know the significance of, but we do. And so... <laughs> yes. It's, um, it's a very well-constructed story in at that moment. Could have been a very different outcome for the pirates if they hadn't put all that together, and if Will hadn't actually cared for her and wanted mm-hmm. to come after her. Yeah. Because if he'd have just stayed in Port Royal, they'd have still been out of luck, so. <laughs> uh, what a series of coincidences. be a way less interesting movie if, you know, the pirates just left with the medallion, Jack got executed, and Will kept being a blacksmith, you know. <laughs> be a real boring movie. <laughs> oh, well, Jack wouldn't have gotten executed. We've seen from the subsequent films that uh, he, he finds a way out. Well, yeah, that. fair enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we wouldn't have had this epic story. Um, while we're talking about at, after after she got kidnapped, the scene where she is served all this food with Barbosa, mm-hmm. it's kind of an odd scene. 
Uh, but what I realized after watching the uh, behind the scenes is that Barbosa is really just wanting to eat food. He hasn't eaten or tasted <laughs> anything for 10 years, and so he has this whole... <laughs> you know feast brought to her uh-huh. to let her eat <laughs> and he's just sitting there creepily watching her eat because he just wants to be able to taste food again oh it's so and creepy just, and and yet so like the character so of barbosa creepy. is so good he's just yeah. he's just so good <laughs> it's so creepy but when you actually hear that explanation of what his motives are mm-hmm. in that moment it's so innocent <laughs> um they talk about his apples <laughs> Uh-huh. He really likes apples. That yeah, they they keep and, showing up. <laughs> uh-huh. He's always eating apples, and uh, it's, they talked about in the behind the scenes how he had this whole feast set up, and he was just watching her eat. But then he just he just he had to jump the gun and just offer her an apple <laughs> right away. He just had to go straight for the apple. He couldn't let her finish the feast before. Which is something uh. that got brought up on another podcast I was listening to is how common of a thing that is that often the bad guys in the films are eating apples yeah yeah i, I know like cinema sins points that out every time it happens oh i should watch more cinema sins at least i think it's um, cinema sins anyway, okay yeah um i think it my guess would be that it, it harkens back to the days of snow white mm. and the poisoned apple but uh i yeah i don't, I don't know, know. Sure. It it is it's a thing like characters who we're supposed to dislike are always shown eating an apple for some reason <laughs> mm. so we'll have to keep that in mind for any future projects that we have to make but mm. remember that uh the bad guys can't have apple phones or apple products oh see now that's just that's just some parallelism right there i think what we should do is make an apple phone out of actual apples that the bad guys <laughs> Car- carve a phone shape out of an apple and then eat it and like two people will get it and it'll be us <laughs> it'll be us it'll be and 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 the one or two people that listen to this episode hi mom it'll be <laughs> i'd like to say hi to my mom too but uh, i don't think she's gonna listen so um it'll be a banana phone but with an apple at each end right got it um that kind of leads into jack and barbosa's relationship oh, because obviously mm-hmm. barbosa mutinied against jack who was the captain which i don't know why you would ever mutiny against such a great captain but they they have such a great back and forth they're such great characters that Uh work together so well and i like the way that this is something else like i pointed out is how barbosa is just always eating apples as if he could couldn't care less about this uh conversation how he's kind of Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's astounded that Jack keeps showing up, but he's still got the ship, so he doesn't really care. Oh, uh, the scene where Jack shows up for like the third time that Barbosa's trying to break the curse, and Barbosa just—he's just so done. He's just like that. This is not possible. How are you here? I have tried to maroon you three times now. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, it's scene. it's so good. <laughs> I've I've heard you also talk about what a great bad guy Barbosa is, and I never really realized it before. But yes, uh, mm-hmm. of all the bad guys out there, he just does play a good bad guy. He's the the kind of bad guy that you are interested in seeing more of. Yeah, and he's not like the despicable bad guy that you just want to see die. Mm-mm. Um, he plays it uh, very well. Um, 
I like the little uh, back and forth thing that Jack and um, Barbosa have about the hats. <laughs> For some reason, Barbosa is just obsessed with hats. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to be hats fair, they both are a little bit, you know. <laughs> hats and apples. Well, Jack has his one specific hat. Yeah. And Barbosa just likes big hats. Yeah, well, I mean, throughout the series, we see Barbosa getting progressively larger and more ornate hats, which I think is mm. just mm. entertaining. <laughs> well, and that was part of one of the deals that Jack was trying to work out is that he was going <laughs> to take the Black Pearl and Barbosa would take this other ship and he would buy Barbosa a hat. It's just, which, it's just that's just good business. If you are a pirate that's got an entire ginormous cave full of gold, it seems like the last thing you'd be worried about. But uh, <laughs> that uh, that kind of had uh, Barbosa on the hook there when he heard <laughs> about the hat. Uh, I do want to say though that I hated uh, Barbosa's uh, monkey pet monkey. Really? Every time. I'm, it's funny the way it scurries around and grabs things, but the noises that that things make are oh, just ear piercing. Well, yeah, that's fair. The, the noise is annoying, but I th- I think that Jack the Monkey is at least entertaining, if not, you know, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's annoying to me. Just wanted to throw that out. Okay, there. so for the longest time, tr- true story, there's, there's the end credits scene at the very end where we see Jack the Monkey steal coins from the Mayan... I don't know, Aztec treasure chest, the cursed one, which explains why he shows up through the rest of the series as this unkillable demon monkey that is just Mm -hmm. sort of this running gag of Jack trying to kill the monkey and being unable to because he can't die. And I didn't see that end credits scene until like four years after I'd watched the movie the first time, so I could not figure out why the curse had Mm. been broken on everyone except this monkey. (laughs) It's, uh... One of those Easter eggs that you really <laughs> had to watch the original Easter egg to mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. for the entire rest of the series. I'm just like, why? Yes. Why is he undead? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does bother me though how Barbosa comes back to life in the second film. Like he's eh. just brought back to life. I don't know. That always bothers me in films when they bring people back to life like that. Yeah, I. It, I mean, it's fine just to, for the sake of having Barbosa back in the movies because it'd be a shame if he wasn't but he's a great character and I'm glad to have him back mm-hmm. but that always bothers me um boy, I thought I had something else to say but I uh, can't think of much else <laughs> well uh, I don't remember if I talked about this in our last in in our last episode but probably not I really we talked briefly about like the sword fighting and how how beautiful it is but the other thing that I really appreciate that they pretty much stay true to throughout the series, if I'm thinking about it, but they they establish good precedents here of keeping straight sort of the dynamics of when different characters are sword fighting each other and which ones are more or less skilled and how they approach sword fights and s- duels and whatnot, which is important to me as an audience member because I really like to see that be kept consistent. And the mm. biggest one that we see in, in this movie is that Will is consistently a better sword fighter than Jack, but he consistently loses because Jack is just more underhanded than Will is. <laughs> Pirate. Because <laughs> every time that there's a sword fight, Will is just really good at it, and Jack is fine, and then he cheats. <laughs> and... Mm just that that consistent uh you know style to their sword fighting helps to 
grow their character depth without mm. as and not just let those action scenes sort of go to waste if you yes, if you weren't doing that that's true oftentimes sword fight scenes are just there to be action in the movie and they yeah. didn't really do much for the story but um yeah that's true they, they did a good job um but i guess uh credit to bob anderson again <laughs> for uh his amazing work um yeah if we ever make our, our own blockbuster we'll have to make sure to have him on staff yeah you know in like 30 years <laughs> yep and it'll be a probably 170 but yep. that's fine yeah that's fine <laughs> um i did like the uh i guess part of the character introduction of will when they're him and jack are sword fighting in the the blacksmith shop mm-hmm. and just having this casual conversation while sword fighting mm-hmm. they're very respectable about it to, <laughs> didn't have more much more to say about it just that i thought that was uh, quite amusing so yeah now before we before we're done with this movie though we have to discuss the 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 greatest debate in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies which is how competent exactly is Captain Jack Sparrow and how much is it just mm. blind dumb luck <laughs> Do you think he plans it all out or just makes it up as he goes along? Yes. Oh man, I I don't know. I don't know, man. I've I've thought about this long and hard myself. I think he uh, is just good at seizing the moment, whatever opportunities come to him. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the real answer has to be that the the writers of this movie want that to be up to the audience to decide. But mm. I hate that answer because that sounds like giving up. So <laughs> yes, yeah. I I don't know. I just think that he uh, is very open minded, and uh, when things change, he just uh, adapts and overcomes. He's he's very good at improv. <laughs> the uh, there's the line. You've been planning this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, Will is about to be sacrificed, and uh, Jack's like. Yep. <laughs> How much of it? I don't know. <laughs> Who's to say? But uh, it worked out for him. Yeah, I mean, my personal view on the matter is that I th- there's very definitely moments throughout the movies where you can see that Jack sort of realizes that he can turn a situation to his advantage at some point in the future, and he's intentionally mm. sort of laying these webs and plans. And then there's other times where mm-hmm. his plan goes completely out the window, and he's just like, ah, uh, this... This will work, mm-hmm. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yep, describes whatever's available. And, uh, <laughs> runs with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did also want to talk about the the, the score for this film. It's oh, just yeah. an amazing score. So distinct, so memorable, mm-hmm. and just, it really inspires you to whatever is going on. It really makes you feel like a part of the action. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the uh, the soundtrack that uh, on my phone so i just listen to it every once in a while because it's just such good music yeah uh, i think there were like every big name music producer was somehow involved i can't remember <laughs> who they all were but like they all had little bits and pieces that they were responsible for the this uh, the score for this movie could be a podcast on its own like the the movie's mm-hmm. great but the music is just something special they have such great like Jack's theme. Mm-hmm. Everything it gets tied in so well throughout the rest of it, but it's not repetitive. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a little different every time, and it's it's, oh, it's just so good. I wish I uh, was more of a music guy that I could use more technical terms, but <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, uh, and and it and it stays consistently good throughout the series too. It's not just in this mm-hmm. first movie. You know, they they add mm-hmm. bits onto it and call back to stuff from this movie, and ah, uh, yeah. 
All right. Uh, so if you don't have anything else to add, I'll ask you the uh, two questions you asked me last time. Oh, I don't so remember. Who was your favorite character? And uh, what was your favorite scene? Okay, so favorite character... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna not say Jack Sparrow because everybody's gonna say Jack Sparrow. He's obviously the most likable character in this movie. The movie is really about, hey, what if we took this really funny, like pirate, and we put him in this world where he gets to be amazing? And that's kind of like what the movies I think are built on. I mean, the story's there mm-hmm. and, and it's good, but it's really just watching what the heck Jack Sparrow's going to do next. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that's out of out of contention. I think in this movie, I have to say Barbosa is my favorite. Yeah. Though the the character through through the rest of the series, which we I, we may or may not talk about of of Norrington, I think is really good. But we don't really get to see him become a really good character in this movie yet. It's just mm-hmm. sort of laying the groundwork. Mm. And what was your favorite scene? Ah, oh, I don't know. I think I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a very short moment as my favorite because there's there are scenes that are good, but the the moment where okay so the Pintel and Rigetti are invading the governor's house, and mm. they have chased Elizabeth up the stairs and back down. A cannon has blown the door open and a chandelier has fallen, and she runs into this large sort of open study and the music is epic and crescendos up to this where, where you're sure that something amazing is going to happen and elizabeth jumps up on a stool and goes to grab a sword from the wall and it is mm. glued to the shield and is just a display piece and falls onto the floor and the music comes to a grinding halt <laughs> and i just i laugh every time at that at that just little joke because it's so <laughs> it's I, I, I don't it's, know. It, it, it's it's very good. It is a good scene. <laughs> that, the movie's just full of good stuff like that yeah, too. Yeah. They uh they didn't miss an opportunity for a good, well told joke. Mm-hmm. Um okay, I would your say turn. and <laughs> I would say my favorite character was Jack. Now the reason mm-hmm. I don't think that that is a cheating answer oh, is because I, it's a fair answer, I think. But. I very <laughs> often do not like the main characters or the characters everybody is supposed to like, uh, which we can talk about on a future episode. Um, I would like to review, I guess it would be Maleficent Part 2. Just watched it uh, yesterday, and I have some thoughts. Haven't seen it yet, um, but... Yeah, it may or may not be worth seeing, but <laughs> I think it will make good podcast fodder. So. Well, there you go. Anyway. We can't um, talk about good yeah, movies all the time. I, don't necessarily like the main character, but uh, I really like Jack's character, which of course everybody's going to say, but he's just a well-told, well-written, well-acted character, Mm -hmm. which main characters aren't always, so it's not just a given. That's true. Um, I would say when I was younger, though, Will was my favorite character. I, I don't know why, other than I suppose he is the protagonist. He is the one that we're following. He's yeah. the one that grows I mean, along with Elizabeth. I think Will is just kind of like the best person in these movies. Like he's just yeah. he's he's got very pure motivations. He consistently mm-hmm. makes the right decision, I think a lot of the time. It's he's very easy to like. Mhm. Yeah, so he he was my hero as a kid, but uh I think I've 
switched over to Jack. <laughs> um, and then my favorite scene, the one I always think of, is just the sword fight in the cave when all the pirates have gone out to attack the uh, mm. attack the ships. Mm-hmm. And, and I just love that cave set, all of the fake gold. Um, they actually talked about in the behind the scenes about how people kept stealing little trinkets and things out of the piles of course they did they wanted to keep it as a little memento so they'd like uh. keep making sure that their gold piles were up to stock <laughs> i just love that sword fight though there's there's water involved there's just some clever stuff that goes on there's yeah. the part where they turn to skeletons and will sticks a bomb in the guy's stomach and then pushes him <laughs> back into the dark where uh where they turn back into humans you know i hadn't thought about no this fair. yeah it's interesting that he says specifically no fair because it's is that the first time that Will is accused of doing something unfair in a fight? Oh. See, he's, his character be. has come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought about I, that. I just had that, that epiphany, you know. <laughs> wow. So that's that's probably my uh, my favorite scene. The, I love the water in the set and uh, so yeah. many funny jokes. The f- my, one of my favorite lines, too, from Jack is the... Uh, where Barbosa says, Jack, I, I thought I had you figured, and Jack's like, oh, me, I'm dishonest. <laughs> yeah. Just trust a dishonest person to be dishonest. <laughs> and right before he grabs the uh-huh. sword and kicks him into the water, mm-hmm. I just thought it was so good. Well, and and then Jack and Barbosa fighting each other to the death, even though neither of them can die, is, is pretty great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are we to be two immortals locked in, locked in an epic battle? Mm-hmm. till the end of time or something like judgment that. day and trumpets sound i think barbosa's got some very melodramatic oh, yes. lines <laughs> yes he is uh for being a pirate he's a pretty well educated well, and, he, and he's just got a very very much a flair for the dramatic that guy mm. he's mm. he's a showman <laughs> the uh one other quote that i wanted to bring up real quick because i love this quote i use it mm. in different scenarios slightly different wordings but the uh the part where jack and Barbosa are negotiating and Barbosa's like, so I just have to trust that you're going to uh, <laughs> give me this name. And <laughs> Jack's like, no, I'm going gonna, gonna to maroon you and I'll shout the name back to you. <laughs> but then he's like, of the two of us, I'm the only one who hasn't committed mutiny, so it's my word that we'll be trusting. Oh, that line so much. This is and so much just like, yeah, 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 he's got Barbosa there. This is one of the movie, one of those movies where every line is just so well thought out and quotable that I think I could probably watch it with the sound off and I'd still get most of the lines. <laughs> mm. Yes, yes. Yeah. Alright, well that's all I have. Do you have any other final thoughts? Hmm. Well, I mean, I suppose next week we'll have to do a review of Pirates of the Caribbean The Ride at Disneyland. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, we should. Um, pack your bags, we're headed south. Have you have you been on the ride? I, I don't... No. Oh, no, I have see, because I went a couple years ago, and I can tell you, it's, it's not the most exciting ride at the park, but it is very well constructed. It's very pretty. Mm. They talked about in the behind the scenes when they sh- premiered the film at different places, mm-hmm. uh, it was funny to watch the people... What is that in California? Is that Disneyland or Disney? Yeah, World? no, it's it's a Disneyland. I'm pretty sure they may be at a both Disney parks. property. Yeah. Anyway, um, they talked about how when they were in the cities near there, everybody got the the, the little jokes, like the dog in the the prison, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
bunch of other ones, but they, they talked about how everybody would cheer you know, when they were in those <laughs> cities because they got those little jokes. So I do need to uh, check out the yeah. ride so I get the behind-the-scenes stuff. So. Uh, Patreon.com, and you can sponsor trips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I. We'll do, a, we'll do right. a, a vlog of our trip to ride the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. <laughs> there we go. We'll, we'll uh, put up more content. All right. Well, all right. Well, I think that's all we've got for today. Yeah. Tune in next time for a yet-to-be-determined movie. Uh, at some point, we do plan to review uh, three and four and five and six as well, though. So, if you are a huge, are we just going to skip Caribbean two? Fan, or you, you skip two, but I don't need to be petty. Uh, I said two and three and four and five. I I thought. Ah, uh, whatever. Um. Anyway, whether or not you like the sequels or don't like the sequels, tune in because mm-hmm. we're going to have tons of super interesting stuff to say. I'm sure. Oh yeah definitely very interesting all right thanks for listening we'll talk at you later bye